the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The 11th hour on the 11th day of the 11th month, 1918, the Great War ended, World War One. We know it is Veterans Day, basically, Armistice Day. At 5 a.m. that morning, Germany understood because of a lack of manpower and supplies faced with imminent invasion, they signed an armistice agreement with the Allies in a railroad car in France. Also on this day, and not known that much about, is that more soldiers died on the last day of World War I than on D-Day. Allied leaders found some outrageous excuses at the end of World War I to send 13,000 men to their death against a defeated enemy. You can read more of it by just Googling it. It's a sad day of history for military men and women. But if you're a veteran, happy Veterans Day to you. And we welcome uh, Congressman French Hill. And Congressman, welcome back as a congressman and congressman-elect. We're glad to have you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Dave, uh, great to be with you. Glad to have the election over with. And uh, your reflections on World War One. I. I just uh, I wouldn't be here if uh, my grandfather it didn't come back and he was over there in france as was my great uncle and came back after serving in the american expeditionary force and got married and the rest is history but uh i think about the terrible terrible conditions in in france in world war one mm. well that was the the dawning of the, the mechanized age of course the tank came into being at that time and uh, the weapon that brought most of the slaughter was the machine gun. Yeah, terrible, and uh, first exposure to gas. Yeah, uh, that as so well. It was. It was. Uh, it was the Great War. We thought it was the war to end all wars, but uh, we are now able to commemorate not only. Uh, the end of that terrible conflict, but honor all of our veterans today on what used to be Armistice Day, and it is a special day, and I look forward to doing my small part to toast and tribute our veterans today. Yeah, just for everybody, let's let's remember, today is not just a day to honor the dead. That's Memorial Day. Armist, uh, or Veterans Day armor, uh, uh, honors everyone who has ever served uh, or is serving in the uh, the military today. So I, uh, I salute everyone who... Uh, like myself, 
took turn time out of their regular life uh, to to serve their nation. So, you know, hoorah to everybody. All right, so let's get to you, Congressman. Let's talk with you. You know, we don't know what's going to happen yet with the presidential election. There are so many lawsuits. There's so much litigation going on. Uh, Things are tightening. I saw last night that in Arizona, uh, the votes are down to Trump is trailing Biden by one half of one percent. I mean, it is it is as close as it can be in Arizona. Uh, real clear politics took uh, North Carolina out of Biden's uh, uh, column, and uh, they got him under 270 now. So what's your take? Where, where is this going to end up? Do you have any idea at all, or are you just like the rest of us sitting here watching? Well, I'm just like the rest of America watching carefully. I think I've been pleased that so many people have recognized the fact that President Trump certainly is within his rights to check the vote and make sure there's no voting irregularity in these states when the election is this close, razor close, and that that's absolutely um, appropriate. And I'm glad the states are taking this obligation seriously, including potentially automatic recount, I think, in Georgia coming up. So I think Americans should just be patient. We've been here before, uh, and we need to see what the final outcome is for two reasons. One, we want it, and first and probably the most important, we want every American to believe that the system worked, you know, that people uh, got out and voted in unprecedented numbers and and, uh, expressed their views, which was fantastic. And secondly, that the vote was counted and counted legitimately and that every legal vote was accounted for. And that will give both Democrats and Republicans confidence in our voting system that we have so much pride in. Well, something that I think that we have seen that uh, I think we all should step back from is this whole thing of mail-in ballots. That's where all the problems have occurred is mail-in ballots. Uh, is Is there something to be talked about here i understand we all believe in federalism uh, that listen to this show uh, but is there a place for the federal government to say you can do this but you can't do that well it's a good question it opens up a pandora's box because you know nancy pelosi wants to federalize all elections yes she's got big plans for that you know that are really not what we want so i'd be somewhat cautious about that but here's the here's the deal we need to require that our voting rolls in our states are constantly purged and updated using big data there's no excuse in uh, having ballots be inaccurate think about all the things we do that require big data accuracy in our lives so why are our voting rolls have dead people on them why do our voting rolls have these challenges and we can get get that fixed. And that's really important. Plus, you know, I do think the approach we have in Arkansas is better than these mass mail-out of val- ballots to the, quote, registered voters, oh, which yeah. is what you're complaining about, which I don't support. I think that's um, – if it were accurate <laughs> and you could do the voter ID portion uh, effectively, then maybe that would be a great convenience. But the problem is that we're not seeing that when you have a mass vote and a mass turnout like we have. And I think Arkansas's approach is better, which is that, you know, we have 
pretty low barriers for absentee voting, and we have an Arkansas statute that requires signature and name and address verification before the ballot's mailed out to the voter. And then it's checked again. As you know, that's happening in Pulaski County right now. That's uh, Those uh, volunteers and election officials are doing that here. Yeah, even this a week after the election, they're still reviewing and counting votes in Pulaski County here. Yeah, they've got until Friday to, to uh, report all of their uh, results. And uh, we've had Evelyn on a couple of times and talking yeah. about where they're at. But you ask an important question, which is, can the federal government require, I've had constituents reach out to me about a watermark, for example, on ballots, you know, to make sure they just weren't duplicated somehow. And that's an interesting idea. But as you say, the Constitution leaves these policies and timings to our states. We need to be sensitive to that. But we ought to look at what would be not intrusive, but set higher standards, maybe at the federal level. All right. Before we uh, take our first break uh, with you, let me ask this question. After the the votes are counted, we're starting to see the final numbers as we go. It looks like the majority of the Democrats in the House is going to be razor thin. What kind of problems does that set up for the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi? I'm breaking into tears now. I know you can (laughs) hear that through my voice. Look, uh, Nancy Pelosi promised her party she was going to pick up 20 seats. Uh, Uh She's losing seats, and we may well pick up. uh, We have flipped nine seats as of last night. That could go to 12 or 13. That puts her speakership in jeopardy. She had, if my memory's right, uh, maybe 15 Democrats vote against her two years ago, uh, and she had the room to let them go, and she won, I think, by one or two votes. Ten of those 15 are coming back to Congress, and if they vote against her again, she will not be the speaker. So she has a razor-thin margin. And let me tell you, this is something you and I have talked about now for two years. Her party is in total disarray. The far left, led by Bernie Sanders in the Senate and Ocasio-Cortez in the House, have pulled all these far-left ideas into the House conference. And so... Uh, The speaker has to try to please them, plus her slightly more moderate members in districts, say districts that Donald Trump won. uh, She's in a tough boat, tough boat. And uh, I think that bodes well for the American taxpayer and the American citizen who believes in the Constitution, because I don't think she has the uh, power to move in this progressive uh, direction that Sanders and Kamala Harris and Ocasio-Cortez have promised all the Democratic voters. All right, well, let's come back and talk a little bit more about that. I need to get a break in here. Our guest is Congressman French Hill. Don't forget, coming up at 735, we'll talk to Congressman Bruce Westerman as well. That's all coming up here on this hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. P.I. Roofing, your P.I. Roofing people are the professionals that take care of your roof. That's the only company I use on my roof. It's who I trust my roof to. They uh, replaced my roof about 10 years ago. We're going to talk about replacing my roof again next year because uh, pictures that I've seen of it uh, here just recently shows a lot of granular material on my roof. That tells me that the uh, shingles are wearing and perhaps it's time to replace them. I'll talk to Joel Johnson and his professionals about that. Uh, right as we start springtime. And uh, if he says that I need a new roof and uh, he sits down 
with the folks from my insurance company and gets the appraiser out and they agree, then I'll put a new roof on the uh, the Ellswick uh, household. But we've had other pr- issues. Uh, you know, I told you about DirecTV. They, uh, they put uh, uh, an antenna on top of my house when the only way you could get uh, HD was to use an antenna. And uh, that antenna began to leak around where the bolts were. They came in, they fixed that, they removed the antenna, and they uh, replaced all of the shingles and the and the felt and the wood in that area and brought it back up to 100%. So no more leaks in those areas. And that's the kind of stuff that PI roofing will do. If you see you know, evidence of water getting into your house, you, meet, you need to take care of it immediately. It does a, a ton of damage. Remember about a leak real quickly here. A leak goes through the shingle, through the felt, through the wood, through your insulation, and then has to come through the drywall. And that's a lot of material that's being damaged by that water. You don't want that to happen. So call them, have them come out, make sure your roof is in good shape. It's your last defense against the elements. Call 707 707-3551. 707-3551, same number I call, or go online to piroofing.com. All right, let's come back, finish up our uh, interview with Congressman French Hill. And again, we congratulate him on being reelected to District 2. That was a hard-fought battle, but was not as close as a lot of people uh, believed it was going to be. And I think, was it at the end that you won by about 10 points, Congressman? Uh, yeah, it'll be a little possibly north of that. We'll see the final votes, but uh, it was it was never close in my view, except in polls. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> and and I believe those polls. To be all completely honest with you, I'm going to share something from the heart here. I think most of the polls that are taken uh, statewide, that are taken nationally are used to try to keep uh, the vote down for the people that we're trying to reelect, to be honest with you. Well, uh, you know, I just think there's a real data uh, challenge. Uh, our polling, uh, which is 50% landline, 50% cell phone, that's the basis for it, uh, never had me behind and never had me losing and showed my uh, you know, performance approval from the voters quite strong. But you still had uh, so much variety in the polls. We watched it in the Trump race and races all over the country. So yeah. I think there's a data challenge for doing polling, and I think it's going to be uh, a real source of discussion for the professionals because it costs a lot of money when people are making their estimations about this. The Democrats wasted hundreds of millions of dollars trying to beat Lindsey Graham and Tom Tillis and some of these races, I mean, three and four hundred million dollars that were just raised and spent for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, and I agree. And a whole lot of money that was spent here in this state for no reason other than yep. they, they thought they could beat you. And I think this proves that Arkansas, beyond a doubt, is a red state. Solid red. That's my view. People in Arkansas have common sense, and they're center-right center in their thinking. They're not buying into all this defund the police and all these crazy left-wing ideas. I agree with you. I agree wholeheartedly. So what can we expect 
uh, from the uh, Speaker of the House when you guys get back to work? We have two big issues, maybe I'd say three big issues to take on in this lame duck, and that will require the president and Mitch McConnell in the Senate to work. One is to pass the defense authorization bill. This is what we pass every year. It passed overwhelmingly in the Senate with over 90 votes. Of course, the Senate under Speaker Pelosi made it partisan and had a lot of non-relevant items in it. I believe we'll have a vote on the Senate bill in the House and get that to the president's desk so that we have our defense strategy set for the next year, including additional preparations for the pandemic and protecting our defense industrial base and making sure the military copes with coronavirus uh, as well. We have to extend 2021 spending by December 11th. That's obviously a big vote. That's the so-called continuing resolution on spending for fiscal 2021 ending next September. Big item. And then finally, I hope, by God, I hope that we get this common sense set of things for our families and our businesses on fighting COVID-19 paths that are not controversial. Extending the Paycheck Protection Program for our restaurants, our hotels, and uh, fix the um, details we need on our unemployment compensation system, and then give our governors, including Governor Hutchison, the flexibility they need to spend their CARES Act money before 1231. So, boy, if we got those three things done successfully, it would be a record lame duck. So don't hold your breath, but that's what I want to go back and work on starting next week. You mentioned something that was very important a a few moments ago, and you mentioned uh, Senator Tillis. Uh, he has been reelected to the Senate in North Carolina. That puts us at 49-48. Uh, I personally think we'll win at least one of the Senate seats in Georgia, perhaps two. I think Loeffler has a little bit of a higher hill to call, uh, climb than Purdue does. And if that happens, then uh, we've got a real, uh, you know, what's the best way to put this? A dam sit there to to hold the left back from doing a lot of things that they thought that they were going to get to do. A hundred percent. I agree with your assessment, although I think we can win them both. I think your assessment is spot on. And that firewall is so important against these uh, far left ideas that may emanate in the House, although I think Speaker Pelosi's ability to even move those has been reduced. So, look, we may, President Trump may be elected. We may hold the Senate. We've reduced, we know for a fact, the power of the left in the House of Representatives. I think the American people uh, have made their voices known, Dave, really have made their voices known. This country is not headed towards socialism and far left ideas. And that's the takeaway from this election. All right. So I will ask you the question you knew I was going to ask when you came on today. What's your gut feeling? Can the president pull off this election? Dave, I don't know. I just uh, we need the data in these states. Uh, I think it's going to be razor close to determine if there's enough vote movement in the margin uh, to let him uh, get the electoral votes he needs. That's how close it is. This is razor close. I guess in even theory could still come to the House of Representatives, uh, depending on how these states shuffle back out pennsylvania is the big game and let's see what happens there okay so last question what happens if it goes to the house so we vote by delegation we vote by delegation a lot of people may not know that but we vote uh, by state and so there are more republican states than democratic states. that's right 
So in my view, if it came to the House, uh, it could be resolved in President Trump's favor. But um, and that would be an end of an, <laughs> an end of the pandemic year in, in the most historic way possible. Uh, but I, I have my fingers crossed. I hope President uh, Trump can pull this out, uh, and we'll we'll see. But we just got to let the process play out in each of these states. All right, Congressman, thanks for your uh, time. We appreciate it, and we're glad that for another two years you'll be here on a Wednesday to talk to the Dave Ellswick Show. Look forward to it. Thanks so much, Dave. Thanks a lot. Congressman French Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got Rush coming up. When we get back from Rush and our break, we'll have Congressman uh, Bruce Westerman from the 4th District. He'll join us and we'll talk to him. He'll get a lot of the same questions that we just gave to French because those questions apply to him just as much as they do to uh, Congressman Hill. So stay with us. Rush is next. We'll see what he wants to talk about as we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show in just a moment. Uh, speaking of devil, Congressman Bruce Westerman will join us. He just called in, so we'll get to him in just a second here. I need to remind you, though, that uh, we are, whether you like it or not, moving towards Christmas. We're moving towards Christmas. Keep that in mind. And if you're wanting jewelry that is unique and is special for the person that is a special that you're buying for. You'll want to go see Eric Coleman at uh, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, 3000 Cavanaugh here in Little Rock, and uh, sit down with him and put together something totally unique for that special person. If you want to put gemstones in it, whether it be diamonds or colored gemstones, you want to do it with Eric. Eric is a uh, certified gemologist, and he can get you the best deals when it comes to diamonds and colored gemstones. All you need to do is stop by and uh, visit with him. They have a computer system where they can design your particular piece of jewelry, whether it's a ring, whether it is a necklace, a bracelet, or whatever, uh, a brooch. Uh, so that you uh, can give that person, that special person, something very unique. Stop by, visit them. They open up at 10 o'clock. Go by and see Eric Coleman at uh, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry at 3000 Cavanaugh. All right, we just got through talking to um, Congressman French Hill. He was reelected to the 2nd District. Now let's talk with Congressman uh, Bruce Westerman who was overwhelmingly, and I do mean overwhelmingly, and so was French, to be honest with you, reelected to uh, the 4th District. And, Congressman, congratulations, and thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you, Dave. Always good to, to be with you. Uh, still a little bit of uncertainty out there in the election, but uh, we'll eventually work through all of that. Yeah, let me ask you. I, I, I asked Congressman Hill this question What's your gut feeling? Do you think the president can pull this off? I mean, there's some real questions out there about what happened. It looks like uh, Judge Alito is going to step in a little bit here into Pennsylvania and stop this count after uh, ballots that got in after uh, Election Day. And there's some other states where that happened as well. Maybe enough to swing the election back the president's way. Yeah, there's certainly that possibility out there. So 
you know, I know that the Biden administration has got to prepare in case they they win. But I think that uh, the cart may be getting out in front of the horse a little bit too much here because you do have um, a lot of questions out there. And these are not just questions. They're sworn affidavits, hundreds of them, of people saying there were problems in the elections. And I was hearing about this before these races were called, especially in Pennsylvania and uh, in Nevada. So, you know, an affidavit, if you lie on that, that's perjury. It's a felony. It's punishable by prison. So if there's hundreds of those, I think it has to be taken uh, seriously. Now, whether it's enough to um, affect the outcomes of of those elections, uh, primarily in Pennsylvania and Michigan and and Nevada, we'll we'll wait and see. But that's um, that's part of the process, and I think we need to let the process play out because uh, we we have to maintain integrity in our elections. Uh, if we lose uh, integrity in elections and voter confidence in elections, uh, I think they call that a banana republic when that happens. So we can't allow that to happen here in this country, and that's why it's important for the process to play out regardless of the outcome of it. Yeah, it's something that people need to understand. I've been talking about it here on the show, and that is December 8th is when states certify their their results. They must uh, certify on that date. And then on the 14th, the electors come together, and they then will cast their votes for the presidency. And until they cast their votes, it don't matter who says that you're president because you ain't president. Exactly. Um, you know, we can armchair quarterback and speculate and do all of that, but there is a law and a process, and that law and the process uh, will be followed. So um, I still have faith in the in the system, and I hope all these questions get answered and we, we come away uh, with a country that says we had a fair election and and this person is the president, whichever one that may be. You know, the only way I think that we come away with this, knowing that our future elections are going to be solid, is if the people that uh, it's showing may have been have been cheating. When we're looking at Philadelphia, Philadelphia has been corrupt for years, Congressman. You know that. I mean, we go back to the pandemic of uh, the the early 20th century, and they were doing this kind of stuff. Uh, you, some people are going to have to cool their heels in jail for a long time and make it known that we're serious about this. Yeah, it's it should be. I mean, it is totally unacceptable and intolerable in most people's minds, but it needs to be enforced. If there's really um, that kind of fraud and cheating going on, people need to serve prison time over that. It's not something that we can play around with. I mean, the the underpinnings of our our country are tied to free and fair elections. You know, what's interesting is that it looks like uh, when you talk about cheating out in Nevada, it zeroes in on Clark County. And Clark County is the bastion of the Harry Reid machine. Uh, hopefully, maybe this election will be the one that finally takes that apart. Yeah, and I've got a friend out there that's running for Congress uh, and part of Clark County's in his district. Um, right now, he's his opponent um, has been declared the winner. But that's one that's certainly being challenged, uh, not just on the state level for the, the electoral vote, but in the um, 
some of these congressional races, and he was telling me, you know, election night and the day after that they had already discovered, he said, thousands of votes in his race that were from out-of-state voters. Um, I know Matt Schlapp is out there working with him, and this is Dan Rodimer is the guy that, that I'm talking about. And they've they've uncovered a lot of irregularities in the voting uh, in Nevada, and that's one that I think definitely needs to be investigated more from the information I've been getting coming from there. Well, it looks like William Barr uh, is, is now going to bring uh, the federal uh, Justice Department to start looking closely at this, and I was glad to hear that. There's some real important issues that need to be looked. We we all need to just sit. We got to remember that with Al Gore and and George Bush, what thirty six days wasn't it before they decided that uh, Bush was the the legitimate uh, president of the United States? Yeah, and uh, you know, with all these media outlets um, crowning Biden the president or whatever they're doing, that reminded me of how they were doing Gore back at uh-huh. in the day and uh you know a lot of them were reaching out to my comms director wanted me to uh, make comments or, or do tv interviews or whatever about it and i kind of tongue-in-cheek told my comms director to uh, have them go interview president gore about <laughs> how much their uh <laughs> their results mean touche congressman touche all right, so let's talk about Congress. Uh, big things there. I mean, look, Nancy Pelosi said the Republican Party was dead in the water. Democrats were going to win a bunch of seats uh, in Congress. The left was going to sweep in and take over. Uh, didn't work out that way, so so to speak. Uh, looks like you guys are going to maybe pick up as many as 15 seats uh, in the Congress. If that occurs, Nancy Pelosi might not even be Speaker. Oh, this is a, a great development, and you know, I was saying this all along, and people were saying, "Oh, you're just optimistic because you want to win the majority back." But I'm, I'm actually kind of disappointed that our path to winning the majority is not there because I really, I thought we had a chance to to flip and and put Pelosi in the minority, but we've really, really closed the gap. If you look right now at the races that have been called and the ones that Republicans are leading in, we've got an opportunity to get up to to 214. If uh, mm-hmm. if all the races were called where Republicans lead this morning, we would be at 214. And, you know, it takes 218 to have a majority. So um, this is already causing some self-implosion in the, uh, the Democratic caucus. You've got uh, AOC and her crew, which they actually expanded their ranks. Uh, in this election, they they went in and targeted um, long-serving Democrats and beat several of them. Um, so there's going to be more uh, squad-like members in the House, and they're already at odds with uh, Pelosi and other Dems. So this this could be very interesting. It'll be the closest if if the numbers hold. It'll be the the closest numbers ever in the in the House. And, you know, to put that in perspective, when I was in the state house and we flipped the majority, uh, we we had a 51 to 49 majority, yeah. which is, you know, that's one vote away from not being able to pass anything. 
well, if you if you do the math, um, the uh, two twenty one to two fourteen is is even a tighter majority than forty nine fifty one. It's a little over forty nine percent in the minority. So it will be extremely hard uh, for uh, Pelosi to get anything done on a partisan level if um, if those numbers hold. Yeah, but don't think, think that she think won't try. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think it's going to be difficult for her to uh, remain in the speaker's seat, too. Well, we can talk a little but bit more be, about that. Let's talk yeah, about you that when we come back. got to be careful what you ask for. Yeah, you never know what you might get, right? Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about that. When we come back, Dave Ellswick Show, Congressman uh, Bruce Westerman on, reelected to his seat in the House. Good to have him on today. We'll uh, return and finish up our conversation in just a moment. All right, so here's where we're sitting at, uh, Congressman. You're talking about the razor-thin margins that you have in the House. Nancy Pelosi is going to have to run for Speaker again. She only won by a couple of votes the last time, and a lot of the people that voted against her are coming back. Uh, she may not be able to get uh, get reelected to the speakership. Uh, who are you hearing? I mean, look, AOC's minions uh, they they increased their their numbers, but I still don't believe they have enough to take over the speakership yet. Who are some people that you think are legitimate uh, challengers to the speaker? Well, that's an interesting dynamic, Dave, because. Um, the the beef that AOC and and her group has with Pelosi is that she's too conservative and she's not progressive enough, and uh, you know not quite crazy leftist liberal enough for their group. Uh, anybody that um, I've heard in the past that would challenge Pelosi is to the right of Pelosi uh, in the Democratic caucus. So. Uh, I don't think any of them would be acceptable uh, to the squad. So I don't know how they're going to work that out. <clears throat> um, if the if the whole conference will come around to someone that's, if you can imagine, more progressive and more liberal and more leftist than Pelosi, or if uh, <clears throat> they'll agree on a maybe a younger member um, that you know may not have quite the the track record that Pelosi's got. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think this is personally an area where the Republican conference could step in and and maybe support a a less crazy Democrat for speaker. Because if you think about everything that's um, that's on the line here, especially with the Senate and, you know, I'm, I'm already working hard and praying that um, those two Senate seats in Georgia uh, come in as Republicans. But should those go Democrat, you're going to have a 50-50 divide in the Senate, which means if Biden's president, uh, Kamala makes the tiebreaker vote in the Senate, if you've got a majority in the House, then that gives them the power to make Puerto Rico a state, make D.C. a state, pack the Supreme Court. Who knows what else they would try to cram in in a two-year window. So uh, any kind of protection we can put in the House to block that kind of nonsense, even if I, I'd say even if that's supporting a, uh, a Democrat that would be less prone to support those kinds of uh, 
um, policies for the, the speaker position. Yeah, because you you know if if I'm looking towards two years from now and it's an off presidential year election, and typically in off presidential year elections, whoever's got the White House loses seats in the House. You know the Democrats are thinking that and thinking that perhaps they could really lose the majority in the House at that time. And if that happens, then they've got a real uh, problem. And uh, they can't do anything if we happen to take at least one of those two Senate seats in Georgia. I mean, uh, the real battle of the South is about ready to come to a head in January. Uh, Purdue and and Loeffler can can both win. It really solidifies thing. I mean, right now it's what forty nine, forty eight, because Tillis uh, won in North Carolina. So there's some really interesting things to still occur during this elective process. Yeah, so Sullivan's going to win that um, Alaska seat, so it's right. going to be fifty forty eight going into January. That's correct. With those two two runoff races. So the Democrats would have to win both of those to make it 50-50. If Republicans win one of them, they maintain the majority and McConnell as, as leader. Um, but you've still got you've got your uh, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski yeah. and Mitt Romney's in the bunch that, you know, if it gets down to a tough vote on something, um, you would sure like to have both of those Georgia seats to uh, uh, But obviously, you know, Mitch McConnell will keep the cloture rule in the Senate, so it would take 60 votes to get something on the on the floor. So that is, I can't stress how huge it is um, that we win those two, seats, or at least one of those seats down in Georgia. Well, you know, uh, really both of them. When I look at Collins after the uh, the reelection she went through and winning the way that she won. Uh, I I think she's going to be a much stronger proponent for republicanism than she's been in the past. What do you think? Yeah, I would hope so. I would hope so. She's uh-huh. always been pretty pretty independent, and she's one that's a uh, you know when it comes down to it, you're kind of wondering how she's going to vote. You know, the other senator from Maine is he caucuses with the Democrats, yep. but he is an independent, Angus King. Um, so. You know, I've already I've had a lot of people call me wanting to know how to donate money, and even people wanting to go down and knock on doors in Georgia uh, over Christmas. That's that's how serious this uh, this election is going it's to be. It's going to be really, really serious. There's no doubt about it. And pretty interesting that uh, the the big Republicans in uh, in Georgia calling for the Secretary of State to step down. Yeah. Yeah, I've been uh, hearing that as well. Um, and, you know, there needs to be a lot of post-mortem analysis done on this election. And hopefully if there is any kind of malfeasance that those responsible for it will be um, you know, held to justice. Yeah, I only got you for about a minute and a half. Uh Defense Authorization Act has to be uh, read has to be brought to and voted on uh, in uh, the House. Uh, the the Senate already passed it overwhelmingly. How do you how do you feel about it? Well, we've got to have a have a strong defense, and uh, I trust what our Republican senators have put in the the Defense Authorization and uh, Appropriations Act. So. Um, Hopefully that's going to get done before the end of the year. There's a ton of stuff that hasn't been done on the legislative side that needs to take place between now and the end of the year. Uh, and with all this other 
extracurricular activity going on in D.C. will be quite an interesting place. Well, Congressman, when when do you rejoin the circus? Are you here in the state or are you now in Washington, D.C. again? I'm in Arkansas this week and I head back to D.C. bright and early Monday. Well, take your circus peanuts with you. You're going to need them. (laughs) All right. Good to talk to you, Dave. Good to talk to you, too, Congressman. Thank you very much. Congressman Bruce Westerman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, we'll look forward to having him every other week again here on our show and keeping you up to date on what's going on. That takes care of the live broadcast for today. I'll uh, be back with you at 6 p.m. We're going to uh, re- Uh, run that special on veterans day for you at six o'clock this evening you want or seven o'clock you want to listen to that it's a really good show by jerry stewart a lot of stuff in there about the battle for the philippines to all of my fellow veterans happy veterans day and thank you for your service i'll talk to you tomorrow 6 a.m right here on the dave ellswick show